it But dog, I ain't lie once They want me in compliance Silence, their worst fears defiance Independent thinkers follow me for the guidance Broaden your horizons Faith, what you fighting it for? Trust your purpose, have the courage to lose sight of the shore I got this wrapped up Get your wraps up As soon as you act up You're gonna get papped up Your lady get snatched up Welcome to the Diamond Legacy Podcast, everybody. My name is Christopher, and I am your host. And thank you for being here and taking time out of your day to listen to what we've got to share with you today. And if you're new here, the Diamond Legacy Podcast is centered around one idea. It's that each of us can be our best so that our culture can be at its best. There is no top-down approach that will make our world a better place by accident. It starts with you, and it starts with me. And if I'm my best and you're your best, everything around us can get better as a result. We're here to improve each other and grow alongside each other so that we can push each other to be in a better place. I'm going to share some lessons and experiences I've had along the way and share them with you in this podcast, and I hope that it is not looked at as I am trying to be some sort of expert. I only have my experiences, and I only have my lessons, and I only have things that I have found helpful And I hope to share these things with you through this podcast. Instead, I want you to think of this podcast as a representation of more of like a roundtable discussion. It's like you got together with some friends who are also interested in becoming better. And we're talking about things. You're sharing stories. You're sharing books. You're sharing exercise routines. You're sharing information that you find helpful. And that's all that I want this to be is I hope to share information that I've learned through this podcast to help bring value. That's it. And whether or not you find it valuable, that's okay. This isn't going to be for everybody. But if you're someone who's interested in becoming a better person and you're interested in self-improvement and you're interested in these types of conversations, then this is going to be something I hope you enjoy. We'll talk about self-improvement, failures, successes, books, scripture, and also interview some incredible people along the way who believe in things that we believe And today I want to tell you why you should hate Priuses because I do. But before I do that, I just want to say a quick thank you and express how much gratitude I have for everybody who showed support on the first two episodes. It means a ton to me. I was so beyond nervous to put this out and to get the feedback that I have and to hear that it's been valuable to people in any shape or form, the the calls, the texts, the messages, the shares, like all of it means a ton to me. So I recognize each and every one of you who did that for me, and I appreciate you very much. I hope to continue to just provide value and give valuable insights, make it quick, make it concise, and, you know, keep it pushing. So again, thank you very much. That's all I have to say about that. And now we'll get into the episode. You know, people buy Priuses for a lot of wonderful reasons. At least they say they are. For one, they're amazing on gas, and so they're more economical. You don't have to spend as much money on gas. Second, it's because they're better on gas. They're naturally just better for the environment. They burn less gas, less emissions. It's better. It's greener, blah, blah, blah. But thirdly, I think the biggest reason people like to buy Priuses is because they need to broadcast to the world about how big of a dork they are. And, you know, I'm just, obviously I'm joking around. I don't really mean that. But I do think that the last reason, the third reason, is because they just love causing traffic jams by driving 15 under the speed limit everywhere they go. And that's just the honest truth. That's it. That's it. That's why people buy Priuses. It's only those three reasons. That's it. Honestly, I am joking. I, you know, think that they're wonderful cars and they're, you know, they seem reliable and they seem to be good on gas. I'm just salty. I have to spend 50 bucks on my gas tank every time I fill up. So just ignore me. 
And it's probably because my view is jaded that I'm always running late to work because of just who I am as a person. And even on the rare occasions that I actually leave on time or even early, I actually get stuck behind a grandma in a Prius who has not been in a rush since 1999. These are the days that I pray for patience because it's like, holy shit, just drive your vehicle, please. And I have a hard time leaving on time for appointments because my brain is always underestimating the time it takes before I start them. A task to me and my brain should only take 30 seconds, but in reality, five minutes has gone by. So I have a drastic underestimation of how long something takes. So leaving the house is always quite the process. I have an alarm that I usually set for, for the time I need to leave my house. And by the time the alarm is going off telling me I have to leave, I notice that my room is kind of a mess, and so I straighten it out, and then I notice that my laundry needs to be done, so I should probably switch it over into the dryer so I can fold it when it gets back, but that means that I should also fill the dishwasher and get that started as well, and then I kind of want to brush my teeth, and I need a water and a snack for the drive, and blah, 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 blah. You get the picture. Basically, I probably have ADD, and these are my normal days, and so when I actually leave on time, I'm pretty surprised. And my commute to work has three main parts. There's back roads from Gorham to Scarborough, then on the highway from Scarborough to Biddeford, and then from Biddeford to Kennebunkport is kind of back roads again. So there's three main parts that I break down my commute mentally. So on a day where I'm leaving for work and I'm cruising along, I'm going Gorham to Scarborough, no traffic, excellent. I get on the highway, again, smooth sailing, there's nobody in the fast lane at all. Life is good and the sun is shining. Things are going smoothly. And then it happens. I turn off the highway to Route 1 in Biddeford. And what happens as I'm gunning it 55 miles an hour down the road? Granny, with the blind people goggles and her 2009 champagne colored Prius, cuts me off with absolutely zero urgency or regard for human life. And for the next 20 minutes, I have to watch in agony as she turns down every single road that I need to go on. It's like I'm following a real-life Google Maps icon, and she's going exactly where I'm going, apparently. And this is when I start to get really frustrated because, like, come on. I planned and did everything perfectly in order to be a good person for once and finally arrive on time, and here I am, late again because of this terrorist in front of me in their Prius. And this is the type of thing that happens to me only on the days I make an effort to get to an appointment on time or work on time, I swear. And honestly, maybe it's my fault, maybe it's not my fault, it probably is my fault, it's okay, it's character flaw, I'm working on it. But I don't, I don't really hate Priuses, it's just they're easy to pick on because I feel like there is a stereotype for a reason. They're a little weird, but I think that they're endearing in a weird way, kind of like an ugly baby. You know what I mean? Like a baby, you're like, oh, it's cute, but it's like kind of ugly cute. But like, you can't say that, you know, whatever. But I will say that every time I get stuck behind them, they do remind me of certain types of people I've run into in my life. And they're the people that are just nothing but obstructions. So let me ask you this. When was the last time that you found yourself cruising along smoothly until that one person came into your life? And you know who I'm talking about. 
that person. The person who derailed your best intentions and forced you to miss goals that you had set for yourself. The person who made you wonder why you ever gave an effort. It's the person who has no regards for the things that are important to you. And it's the person who set you back and made you late for things that you made an effort to be on time for. And I think that this most commonly happens in relationships that make it into your inner circle, whether that's very close friends, it's your family, or you may actually be in a relationship, a romantic relationship with these people. And things initially are going well. You know, they keep you, they give you company when you're feeling lonely. You have a really good time with them. And if you are in a relationship with them, then you feel a nice initial spark of attraction. There's that static. There's that electricity. But what happens is eventually, if you're beginning to change your ways and you're beginning to find yourself setting different goals, setting things that are, you want things differently in your life, you're going to start to notice that the company they give you, the attraction, the spark, the fun, is where their utility ends and their liability begins. See, for some people, you may run into them traveling the same road, but eventually you realize that you do not share the same destination. And you know, just like I know, that we should not hang around people who do not share the same goals as us. For example, if I want to be fit, I should not be close with someone who does not value their health. If I want to get out of debt, I should not be close to the person who lives beyond their means consistently. And if I want to improve as a person, I should not hang out with gossipers and complainers. But I feel like everybody kind of knows that. But if we know we shouldn't do it, why is it that we sometimes find ourselves tangled up in that mess either way? For me, I've noticed that when I'm feeling emotionally vulnerable, I have tended to make poor decisions about who I should let have access to my time and energy. For, for one example, I've learned that I'm pretty affected by seasonal changes, the seasonal depression thing. From about October until January 1st, my motivation goes out the window. My anxiety levels go up. My tendency to worry goes up, and I get an overall, like, what's the point feeling? It's like I'm dragging. It's like I'm a little bit more needy, and I'm a little bit more desperate. I feel like I'm not really grounded in myself. And over the years, after becoming aware of this pattern, it gave me context to understand why I made decisions that I did that even with hindsight seemed obviously like a bad idea. Because when you're feeling depressed, anxious, or lonely, any company is better than no company. And as a result of this reflection, I see just how damaging decisions made during a phase of depression can be. Because depression fogs your focus, the consequences of your actions don't feel as important, and the clarity you feel during non-anxious phases of your life are clouded. It seems like the phases of low moods are when, are what have commonly led me to make poor decisions about who to give access to my time and energy in the past. And maybe you can relate. You know, maybe it's not a person that made you depressed. Maybe you're in a, in a, you're, and it seems like phases of low moods are what commonly led me to make poor choices about who 
to give access to my energy in the past. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been in that period of your life before due to an injury, you lost a job, or maybe even a breakup. Maybe a season change. It doesn't really matter. And although it can be impossible to avoid these phases of low moods, we can avoid making poor decisions about who we become involved with during these phases. Because we will create bigger problems in the future by poor choices in the present. And I know that is gospel for me. I am the biggest, listen, I'll put my hand up. I am the first one to make this mistake. But as a result of making these mistakes, I have come up with three steps that I use to help prevent it from happening again. And I want to share these three steps with you. These steps are key and they work best when you are consistent with them. And that doesn't necessarily mean daily, but I believe that at least weekly is a good amount of time to revisit these three points. So number one, I take time to write down and review my personal value system. I write down what I believe, why I believe it, and why it's important to me. Number two, I take the time to write down my goals in very specific detail because without knowing where you want to go, it's impossible to know where you don't want to go. And number three, I journal regularly to stay in tune with my emotional state because it deeply strengthens my own self-awareness and allows me to be my own coach. And the power of these three steps is that you develop a ton of self-awareness and emotional intelligence when you know what you stand for and when you know where you want to go and you know where you are currently at emotionally, it gives you a competitive advantage in pursuit of your goals. It allows you to defend yourself via awareness against making poor decisions when you are feeling down. Because when you're feeling down and your vision is clouded and you're unintentional with your steps, that is when you might trip over a stumbling block that could send you into a free fall. And now I want to take some time to elaborate a little bit on each point and why I chose these three points. So number one, why do I take time to review my personal value system? There's a phrase that says, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And it could not be more the truth. If you do not know what you stand on, if you do not know what you will not compromise on, you are compromisable to anything. You are vulnerable to anything. To not know what you stand for is similar to, let's just say, back in the days of castles. If you had a village and you had absolutely no walls around your village and you had no guards and you had no demarcation lines to say, don't come any closer or we will kill you, you would fall victim to all sorts of thieves, robberies, Vikings, for God's sakes. Like You're open and vulnerable to anything. Imagine if your body didn't have an immune system. That is exactly the type of the type of thing that will happen if you are not familiar with exactly what you stand for and what values you will not compromise on. Number two, why do I take the time to write down my goals in specific detail? This is something I've actually more recently become accustomed to. I've always understood that it's important to have goals and I've always worked towards things in more of a broad sense. I've always wanted to be fit. I've always wanted to make money. I've always wanted to be successful. But a lot of times I found myself chasing a pie in the sky, and it was almost more soothing to keep them there. It was almost more soothing to keep an idea of a goal as a fantasy in the distance. It was always there. It was kind of like the sun. Like, hey, if I don't get it today, it'll be there tomorrow. 
what I've come to realize more recently is that you have to keep your goals before you every single day. And if it's not every day, every week is like the bare minimum. And if you are constantly aware of where you want to go, you're also aware of where you do not want to go. So if you're trying to get fit and your friends come to you and say, let's go get, let's go get messed up and drink a bunch, you're probably going to say, hey, I'll tag along, but I'm not drinking. Or if they say, let's go hit this Italian spot, you're like, you know what? I'm probably going to eat my meal preps before I meet you out there, so I'll meet you out there. Or I may not go. And if you're trying to save money, you might not go at all because it's not going to align with your goals. But it's so easy to fall in temptation of our old habits when we're trying to change that if we don't keep the goals before us, it's easy to let it slide. And then if we let it slide long enough, a year goes by, two years goes by, three years goes by, and then nothing changes. And number three, I journal regularly to stay in tune with my emotional state. And the reason that I do this is because I was taught at this this seminar I went to in 2017. It was Personal Success Institute. It was in Las Vegas. And the gentleman teaching this class gave an example at the very end about what happens when you talk to somebody and you really let them talk to you. If you're really listening, people will empty out what they're thinking, what's been tangled up inside your mind. So many ideas, so many conf- conflicting ideas, so many conflicting emotions. It's, it's a mess. He gave the examples. It's similar to a woman's purse when it hasn't been cleaned for a long time. You have old chapstick. You got old receipts. You got gift cards that are expired. You got pens. You got pennies. You got all sorts of junk. And eventually it just becomes such a mess. You just need to dump it out and then take out what you don't need and then put everything back into the purse in a neat order. That is how journaling goes for a lot of people. That's how it goes for me. When I'm feeling tangled in my head and it's a mess, I just need to dump it out onto the paper and get it out there. When it's out on paper and it's out in front of me, it is so much easier to observe what's going on and throw out the bad ideas, throw out the anxieties, throw out the depression, throw out the ideas that I'll never be successful, to throw out the ideas that I'm a loser, throw out the ideas that nobody likes me. All the junk that I might be feeling at the moment I can observe it on paper, throw it away, and I can put the good stuff back in like, hey, you know, I may not be exactly where I want to be, but I'm taking steps every day to get there. Hey, you know what? Might not have hung out with enough people and so I'm feeling lonely. Maybe I should make an effort to reach out to people. It allows you to be so much more objective. And over time, as you do this, you're going to notice that you're able to be more emotionally agile without even having to journal. But it starts by getting it out onto the paper. Now, I know I started off this podcast by saying that I hate Priuses, and it was more so just an example that I feel like everybody could understand about how important it is that you avoid certain people that are going to slow you down from getting to where you want to go. They don't care about you. They don't care how bad of a driver they are, and they're going to always be there. But a long time ago, my mom taught me something about driving. She said that if you're on the road and there's a really horrible driver, someone that makes your blood boil, Just give them space and let them drive off. Do not get into a road rage pissing contest with them because you're you're opening yourself up to possibly wreck your car. In life, if the person you meet does not align with your values, but you go along with them anyway, you are voluntarily putting yourself at risk of a wreck. So I would suggest that you become very clear on what you stand for, where you want to go, and where you're at. Move away from anyone who drives like a Prius. Because even if you can't control the traffic on the roads, you can control the traffic that flows into your life. 
And with that, I'm going to wrap up this Diamond Legacy podcast. Thank you again for showing up. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for sharing this with people. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and giving encouraging messages, all that. It means a ton to me. So thank you so much. And I'll catch you next week on the next one. Peace out. We on duck phase, especially when we open the goose. Smoke with Snoop and went to Neptune. Life is beautiful. You made it when unusual becomes a new usual. Since I was a juvenile, I knew that I'd be hot, boy. They love me out in London, dog. I'm headed to the top, boy. Bought a lot of altcoins. I've been getting rich, though. Couple homies blood, but I invested in some crypto. Rolled and I slip blows. Caught him in, got off of the ropes. The best rapper under 30 and it's not even close. My first single told the world. Y'all ain't